Hey everybody, it's the Pop Culture Philosophers, coming to you live from the Huntsville Attic in beautiful Huntsville, Alabama. Excited about today's episode, we're talking about 60s sci-fi, talking about 60s shows, movies, maybe some comic books. I'm John Hammertime Holshue. I forgot who I was there about two seconds <laughs> into the show. And of course, with me always, Rockin' Robbie Billups. Hey John, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. This is, a, this is a show that we've kicked around the idea. Yeah. And it sounds pretty exciting, and as I start looking more into it, and not so exciting. <laughs> Well, okay, so the origins of this podcast was that somebody wanted to do another Star Trek episode, yeah. and I was like, well, we've oh, already done much. one, but let's do 60s science fiction, and I was like, in my head, I was thinking, Invaders from Mars, War of the Worlds, Day the Earth Stood Still, and those are all it's from all the 50s. 50s. <laughs> so yeah, it, this is definitely more <laughs> difficult as far as the movie list goes, but as With far as TV, as far as television, as yes. far as like novels, short stories, um, just comic books and writing yeah. and stuff like There's that. There's a lot of other sci-fi stuff. Yes, it's a it's it's considered the new wave of science fiction. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. With us tonight, though, that man who did first kind of give us the idea to do this show, Justin Goldsmith. Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to the show. We're doing good. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. I had an audition yesterday. A callback audition, actually, for a commercial. Ah, that one you're doing about herpes? Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> nah. <laughs> what is it <laughs> okay, actually okay. for? Can you tell us what it's for? What? Is it secret? Can you tell us what it's for? Uh, It's for Cook's Pest Control. Ah, are you going to play a bug? Are you going to dress you in like a hilarious nah, roach costume? I'm, I'm old enough now where I'm dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> Also with us tonight, we have Mike, the voice Matthews. Hey, everybody. How you doing? I, I, I agree, John. I'm with uh, the sci-fi TV. Like, I'd rather do a top five of that. I was telling him today at work, like, can we just change this last minute? There yeah. is a lot of great science fiction, 60s television. There's not as many movies, but there's some good movies, and I think we can get it down to a top five. There's When I step back and start looking at it, there's there's a lot more than I realized, but there's also... A lot of crap. There's a lot of <laughs> off-brand stuff. Yeah. Off-brand yeah. movies. Knock off Star Trek and knock off, you know. <coughs> there was a lot of, like, sequels that have a similar <coughs> title. And like, oh, this must be a sequel to that 50. Oh, no, it's not. It's a knockoff. Yeah. War of the Vampires and weirdly weird sci-fi. But they were, like, yeah. vampires from space. There's, like, this really weird knock. Well, Gamera came out in the 60s, and obviously that's a knockoff of Godzilla. Yeah, but just a giant turtle. Yeah, <laughs> just a giant turtle. way cooler, though, man. I love Gamera. But it definitely gives us some of the most classic sci- science fiction characters. Oh, that's true. There's some great characters from the 60s uh, science fiction films and some great actors, some great roles, some iconic roles, some that get quoted today, and I'm sure those quotes will come up. So I was going to ask you guys, Start with, uh, I'll start with Goldsmith. He himself is an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Are there yes. some actors uh, from 60s uh, science fiction films that stand out in your mind, some great actors, some great roles that stand out. As far as films go, the the first thing that comes to my mind is Vincent Price in uh, Last Man on Earth. Oh, okay. He's, just, he's one of my favorite. Vincent Price in anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and that movie is almost exclusively Vincent Price, so it's fantastic. One of the great, I seriously think he's one of the greatest actors of all time, and he's in so <laughs> many iconic, like, Science fiction and horror movies. He's yeah. just he's just great. Well, Dude. I, thought, yeah. I thought that was Will Smith in that movie. 
the remake. Uh, I am Legend. Or was it oh, Charlton yeah. Heston? Was the was Omega he in Man? One too? The Omega Man. Uh-huh. Yeah, another I Am Legend mm. adaptation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good pick, though. I mean, Vincent Price, you yeah. can't beat that, yeah. man. Right. So that's the answer guys. to everything. Just be like, just use that as the default answer or something. Vincent Price. What about? Yeah. I'm gonna start with Robbie. Yeah. Start with Robbie. Uh, uh, I'm gonna go with Vincent Price from Star Trek. Oh wow. No, I mean Leonard Nimoy is Spock. That's one of the best characters. Wait, created. was Vincent Price on Star Trek? He might have been. I don't know. He was on Batman. He was Egghead. Yes, he was. No, but but Leonard Nimoy Spock. That's absolutely one of the best. Yeah. Uh, science fiction characters I think ever created. I'm surprised that you didn't say. Well, he said movies. Or I, said, I would have said that. Did you probably. say movies? I said movies, but we can let's talk shows too because there's a yeah, bunch of 60s great. Sci-fi. Yeah, there's a bunch of yeah. great actors. Well, I got one from a mo- from a movie as well, and the one from the movie was played by Douglas Rain, and that's how Nine Thousand. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love that character. It's so creepy. It's it's it's, but it's such a journey of the character. You get what I'm saying? Like, what are you doing, Dave? Yeah, like and and the end when he's like Daisy, Daisy. <laughs> Yeah, right like spoilers mike but uh like i love it like it's so amazing and and it's just it's just a great character and then douglas rain the way that he performed that oh perfection it's it's a great character and it's a character that has been uh it's influenced a lot of other science fiction oh yeah for sure oh absolutely what about you uh mike any characters or actors that stand out have roles performances in Movies and and shows. We'll do shows as well because that there's there's a lot of great science fiction shows out there, and there's some standout performances and some great actors actually had migrated from the small screen to the silver screen because um, of their because of their performances. I, I was just gonna say Adam West. Oh, the great Adam West. Yes, Adam West. Nice, Adam West. It was last name he changed because well, first off, Adam Batman West. Adam West from what? Is Batman as Adam West technically? No, but but from what? Well, he was in Batman, but is he talking? Is that sci-fi? I don't think. What are you talking about, Mike? I really liked Adam West's <laughs> performance in uh, David Car- er, Robinson Crusoe in space. Oh, Robin Crusoe in space. Adam West is in that. Yeah, I did not Him realize and the that. The I did not realize. I've never actually seen that film. I'm familiar with it, but I never saw it. I didn't realize he was in that. Dude, he's in it for like two minutes. In what? I was going to take Leonard Nimoy, but you took it from did me. You, did you only watch the first two minutes of that film? I watched that first five-minute <laughs> clip off of YouTube. Uh, I like Adam West. I love Adam West, though. Adam West is in Robinson Crusoe and Mars, but he's like the the very beginning. And then one one actually very creepy part towards the middle of the film as well. Oh. I mean, that's, that's one of those probably 60 films I haven't you, seen, you, although I'm oh, familiar can, with Can it. I say Peter Sellers? You can say whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> Hey, since I didn't get a TV guy, Slim I'm going to say uh, uh, Jonathan Harris, the guy that played uh, Dr. Smith in Lost in Space. Always, oh, yeah. yeah. I always loved that character when I was a kid. I couldn't remember his name. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, this is all about all of science fiction in the 60s. Now, of course, our top five coming up is going to be all about the movies, but we're, there's so much science fiction. I think the 60s, you know, we were we did start off the show, John, talking about how the 60s maybe didn't have the best sci-fi movies, but it's definitely across the board a very revolutionary time for science fiction. Oh, yeah, especially TV. I think by then, too, by then, it, it, oh, yeah. towards the end of the 50s, everybody's got a television. In the 60s, then everybody really does have a television. So television had took off. It was a big boom. Yes. And um, science fiction played a big role in that. And there's some fantastic stuff. We'll get to that in a second, but there's some fantastic stuff. What are your favorite characters? I would say, well, Douglas Ryan, you already brought up from Hell, Nine, it's Hell 9000. Uh, I like Charlton Heston's character in uh, Planet of the Apes. 
and just it's so quotable, you know. Get your damn. St- well, I can't. <laughs> I can't it's, remember the it's quote. So it's quotable. So quotable. <laughs> what, what's the character's name? Do you remember? I don't remember. To be honest with you, I don't either. anybody anybody remember uh, that? Justin's the guy. Who's supposed to uh, figure that out. You blew it up. Him. You blew it up. It's probably like a colonel or something, right? Wasn't he like an astronaut, something like that? Yeah, I think yeah. I think the backstory is he was in the military and he was now an astronaut, and then he landed. He thinks he landed on a foreign planet, and then of course he's, you know, he's not. Spo- spoilers, he's it's not. He goes through the, like some kind of time travel, like either like w- are they using like special relativity in that, or does he go through like a wormhole or something like that? George Taylor. I, I don't remember George Taylor, of course. Yeah, because I don't remember name. the explanation. I just remember that he was actually back on Earth. So I don't know if he do had, yeah was stuck and suspended in time or something like that. But uh, yeah, I think it's "Get your damn hands off me, you damn dirty ape." I think is the exact quote. Um, I think it, is it "Get your damn hands off me, you dirty ape." I think it's just "Get your damn hands off me, you dirty ape." I thought it was "You damn dirty, you damn dirty apes." <laughs> It's something over the yeah, top yeah. like that. And there's a bunch of, yeah. he's got a bunch of over the top. His, he overacts. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. Does he? But that's his greatest film. I that's, would, I, but, 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 I, as I said, I, I knew you could argue with me. I wouldn't <laughs> I say that. I knew if anybody was going to argue with me, it'd be you. I wouldn't say that. He might have had some other roles that he might be more famous for than Planet of the Apes. You know, one of the best things about the science fiction of the 60s are those themes that are brought up. And I'm not just talking about the Star Trek theme. Do, do, do. You know, and all that stuff. That didn't sound like the Star Trek theme at all. Anyway, um, no, the the ideas behind these these stories. So, of course, science fiction had a big golden age back in the, the, the 40s and the 50s. There was, like, tons of stuff. You had Philip K. Dick and Isaac Asimov coming up and, and, like, doing really groundbreaking work, right? Like, with their short stories, with their novels, and even the movies of the time and, and stuff like that. Of course, not television so much, right? But the 60s kind of brought in that new wave, right? And it was this new idea, a little bit more of a cynical nature, towards the science fiction. So let's discuss some of the themes, right? And to bring it up, first of all, I think that what you call the what they call the golden age of science fiction is the the 40s and the 50s, right? And you have this idea that science is like the universal problem solver. Like science is going to solve everything for us. Like we can we can fix everything with science. We can explain all the mysteries of the universe with science. Everybody was very hopeful and optimistic about the power of science. But then in the sixties you start leaning into like things like the Cold War. You know, because like and during the war, like World War Two, the idea that science and industry and, and like that's what we use to make the world better, right? But now because of the Cold War, because of the spy nature of things, people are like started becoming more obsessed with apocalyptic fiction. They started becoming more obsessed with the idea of, of fear of advancement and a distrust of man and of government and of society. The fact that maybe society isn't going to be able to fix it, even with these amazing technological advances. And we are literally on our way to the moon at this time, you know, in America, right? And there's all this hope for it, but there's all this distrust about what's actually going on. You got the civil rights movement, you got the Vietnam War, you got a lot of unrest going on. And all this, I think, really kind of found its way into science fiction of the time and of course the futurism aspect of what's projecting out what's going to come from like forward the advent of, of of computers and that kind of technology right and so you have a fear of that you have that distrust of machine you have this whole idea of man versus machine and actually what's the difference what are some of the themes um that you that you think are the most prevalent and why and how do they relate to popular culture and and society at the time justin that's a very expansive question you just asked. Yeah, correct. Uh, this is an expansive podcast. Yeah. Well, the 
the prepared response I had for this was completely different from that. But like, what you say? One of the things that you just said again. I was kind of. How about out. how the the Cold War and and the Cuban Missile Crisis and things like that, and people thought that at any moment destruction and the apocalypse would come, you know, and that started like instead of these these things about us going out and like conquering like civilization out into the into space or whatever. We, we, we're now in fear of yeah, like aliens destroying us yeah. or us destroying us. Yeah, yeah well, there demise. was a lot of us versus them stuff. And then you also had other stuff. Like, it was either that or uh, a golden image of the future, like the Star Trek, like uh, idealism. It, 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 it was a really, really wide spectrum of stuff that was going on back then. But even in Star Trek, one of the, the prevalent themes is the idea of, of the way they talk about the, the human history. The way they talk yeah. about Earth in the yeah. 20th century. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and how they do. Star Trek is a response to what was going on in American society. Yeah, at the exactly. Time. Civil rights movement, Vietnam War, stuff like that. And they even talk about like how in the late 20th century, like it was supposedly in the 90s, we were supposed to have the eugenics war. Yeah, that's where like, Khan comes from. Yeah. You know? uh, so even, yeah, there was some uh, things are going to get bad before they get, are going to get worse before they get better. Yeah, in Star Trek too. Yeah, speaking of getting worse before they get better, John, what do you think? <laughs> um, I pulled a John with the segue there. You yeah. like that? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all of that stuff. No, um, yeah, I think realistically, I think the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Cold War that that whole thing, I think, really brought a fear of. It changed that whole science perception of yes, in the future we're gonna have flying cars and we're gonna have robot friends and to more like we're gonna be our own self destruction. Like we're going to be our own demise. We're gonna build missiles and nuclear devices and blow ourselves up or, or get in a fight over land or something and blow ourselves up. Which yeah, has not not happened. <laughs> just at a smaller scale. So I think uh you see that more in films and book. And then when, when was uh Fahrenheit four fifty one written? I know in the sixties they made a movie based on it. Yeah. When did the actual book come out? Yeah. Because they did the uh, they did the movie, and so that 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 too, like that kind of whole concept of of this uh, 53. this uh, okay, so okay, so the, so the book wasn't you know was in the sixties, but yeah, but there's a reason why they made that movie in the sixties, yeah, you know, and definitely that was on the mind of the creators of that film. You know, what's really cool though is to juxtapose that to put the flip side of that, like we are on our way to the moon, and there is a little bit of a an, of an optimism, even a movie like two thousand and one. So, like, for instance, the political satire that Kubrick did, Dr. Strangelove, that some people could argue is a science fiction film, um, <laughs> deals with a lot of this, like, the sphere of, like, nuclear holocaust and stuff like that. And how much the, the powers that be, they're just pie fighting, basically, you know, when, when, you know, when stakes are that high. But that whole going to the moon thing, was that a optimism thing? Or was that where we're, we're like, we were like, oh shit, we got to beat the Russians. Well, that was part of that. Yeah, it? a lot of it was we have to beat the Russians. But there's also an inspiration there. And so if you yeah. look at the difference between a film like Dr. Strangelove into 2001 and how hopeful 2001 kind of feels, even though it does have its eerie qualities, um, it's a very like optimistic film about the future of mankind, which is way different than something like Dr. Strangelove. Mike, what do you think about some of these themes and what, what, which ones kind of are more prevalent to you or what do you want to speak on? Uh, everything that you're saying so far, Cold War, nuclear war, uh, hopefulness, dread, apocalyptic fiction. Uh, what is apocalyptic? Is apocalyptic fiction sci-fi? It, apocalyptic, like it, it, science fiction films can result into a, an apoc- an 
uh, an apocalyptic future. Like a, nu- a like a nuclear bomb going off. In the original Lost in Space, did they have to abandon Earth because Earth was yeah things like that? Or like, and, and sir, I can't I remember the think purpose. They went of into the, it in the original series. Okay, okay, yeah. I didn't know if that was how the started because that's a dark way to look at the yeah, show. Like, yeah. You know, movies like in in the Time Machine, for instance, one of the big themes of that film. Um, a little bit in the book, but really prevalent in the film is that as he's going forward through time, he sees that humanity does not get their shit together. There's still wars. And even when they have this amazing technology and basically no need or want for anything, they're still warring. They're still slaving, enslaving people and stuff like that, right? So, like, yeah, the idea that science fiction writers, instead of just this enormous sense of wonder, they start throwing out the dangers of, of the future of mankind. And futurism is a big part of it. You know, I definitely think projecting things into the future. And that's why something like Dr. Strangelove does kind of border there just a little. Yeah, because everything that you're saying, it's rich Dr. Strangelove. So that's why I, I feel that it's more of a, it's got the sci-fi elements. And that's why. Yeah, I got you. I thought like, Dr. Strangelove was a Van Halen song. No. <laughs> I thought it was a Cypress Hill song. You know, I was going to say something about, um, it was some, I think we talked about it during the um, 80s horror podcast where, like up until the late eighties or so, uh, the horror movies were kind of uh, not cookie cutter or whatever, but they're all kind of generally. We talked about on the eighties horror podcast, like in the eighties, they started just throwing ideas out and just doing weird shit. Yeah, and in sixties sci-fi, it seems like that's what they've been doing. So they've had like these twenty years of really cool sci-fi stuff, and then there's all kinds of weird shit in the 60s. Yeah, it's because uh, especially Drugs. with the writers of the, yeah, with the writers, <laughs> with the writers of the New Wave, they were really kind of thinking that we've had 20 years of the same sci-fi stories. Yeah. It's getting tired, it's getting boring, it's getting cliched. Space vampires. So, yeah, space vampires. <laughs> and, and I'll be honest with you, that space vampires movie is on my top five. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, actually, so one of the other things that we haven't quite touched on too much was the whole idea about man versus machine, the fear of the computer, the fear of the artificial intelligence. That really kind of starts there. And in films like 2001, which is a, a basically a film about human evolution, right? So it starts off with the apes, Mike. You remember that part, right? Yeah. It starts <laughs> off there. It goes up into like the moment where we're able to start traveling through space, and then it and then it goes into artificial intelligence, and then it goes into, of course, the the, the higher purpose of humanity, which is to become these celestial star children. That's basically the ending of that movie, right? Yeah, it's uh. <laughs> I wonder what drugs Stanley Kubrick was doing. But what <laughs> is the answer? What's the difference? Because that's something that I think is really prevalent in some of these films. One of my favorite science fiction writers is Philip K. Dick. And we've talked about him on the science fiction podcast oh, yeah. way back in the day. Um, he's got a very prevalent theme that he likes to use, which is man versus machine. But more importantly, what is the difference? It's something that the Matrix films, I think, bring into the idea, again, is what's the difference between a man and a machine? Now, in the book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which was written in the 60s, which became Blade Runner, yeah. the idea that Philip K. Dick is bringing across is empathy. Empathy is the difference. A machine can't feel for another machine, right? And if you look at 2001, Hal never feels for other people. He feels for himself. He fears for himself, but he doesn't do other people. What do you think, my, uh, the man versus machine, what do you think about that stuff, John? I think it's, I think it's a great concept, and you're right. It really, really kicks off in the 60s. And Space Odyssey, obviously, being the, the big one. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's a great concept because it, it continues, obviously, the 70s and 80s and 90s, this this concept of, well, there's a lot of, A, there's some just general fear. There's, like, evil robots and stuff like that. And some of the, even the shows and movies with the aliens are just, like, straight-up robots. Yeah. Um, um, but, like, the Borg, I mean, that comes later in Star Trek, but they're, like, they're machines, right? I yeah. mean, they're not, yeah. they're not. Well, yeah. 
they're yeah, not, and it's a collective consciousness. Yeah, they're not yeah. biological in theory. Um, no, so they are biological, but it is a machine intelligence. Okay. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Kind of sidetracked. I mean, there were people. The Borg wasn't point, in the sixties. It all comes from V'ger. We know that. V'ger. So we know the, that. Uh, um, but then, then this whole idea of, I think Phil K. Dick was the first to really talk about that whole um, differentiate between a man versus machine and having feelings and having a soul. And, and he wasn't just saying, oh, there's evil robots or there can be evil robots. He gave us kind of this idea of, of them evolving and uh, differentiating between them. Blade Runner does. I mean, I know it's not from the '60s, but Blade Runner does. Well, but the book is written. Yeah, in based the 60s. on based on based on that book, which what you said it's like it's do, do androids, androids dream, dream of electric, electric sheep? sheep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and yet they do, he does answer the question I think with empathy, but in the book and especially if, even in the movie, like the 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 androids they show the replicants show show empathy as well. Yeah, you know, and in the movie, if you think that Deckard is a replicant, he shows empathy. You know, I don't know. It's well, an they, interesting thing. Like, not only are how they how 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 are they different, but are we the same? The human body is just another machine, is it not? Yeah. Human society is just another machine, and so the the correlation between the fear of this unknown and how this unknown thing, like whether it's computers, machine, artificial intelligence, it is us, and it's fear of us, and it ultimately leads to fear of God or something. But that's way deep, right? Well, I was going to add one quick thing, too. Like in the Blade Runner 2049, uh, it's the robots that have feeling and empathy, and the humans are very robotic. Yeah. Yeah. So. That makes, like, because in the book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, the humans have to, have to like, use this, this machine that's like an empathy machine, and they touch it. And, like, the book is way different than the movie, but there's some similar stuff in there, especially in theme. But they have to, like, humans have to go to this machine, and it's kind of like a virtual reality thing, and they go in there, and they, they're, there's this, like, messiah-type figure in their culture, and they take on his role, and they're walking up a hill while people are throwing rocks at him, and it helps them feel empathy with something else. And so, yeah, that, you know, like, humanity is leading itself into a machine-like state, and machines are becoming more like humans, and that's so scary, right? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not not for a spoiler, but it was kind of interesting when you said the humans are a machine, and the fact that uh, did you see Chernobyl? Just the first episode. Uh, it's not really a spoiler, uh, but it does. It's a really important scene. But the guy pretty much goes, "We're going to have to use human robots because the robots aren't working." And everybody was just like, "What?" And then you figured it out, and you're just like, "Oh shit, this is deep." Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna take a quick break. But that reminds me, we should check out a band from Huntsville called the Wolves of Chernobyl. Pretty awesome band. Great band. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're talking about science fiction television and pop culture philosophers. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pop Culture Philosophers, talking about 60s sci-fi. We're actually talking about right now uh, 60s sci-fi television, because we talked earlier about uh, some of the movies and the (coughs) themes, but really 60s television was dominated with science fiction. Just look up 60s television in general, and there's way more science fiction shows. There's Star Trek, there's Lost in Space, there's Outer Limits and Doctor Who. The Twilight Zone started in the 50s but continued well into the 60s. Uh, the Jetsons. 
a damn cartoon about space and flying cards and a robot. Uh, was she a butler? No, like a nanny. Whatever she. Did you say flying cards? Hot cars. <laughs> <laughs> flying cars. They had those spaceship car things. And, yeah, uh, the Jetsons was great. The Jetsons was phenomenal, but I really feel like the Jetsons misled us because it's now... If you're listening just this year, who knows? Maybe you'll listen to next year. We still don't have flying cars, man. Did they yeah. ever give a year? Yeah, is there a time? Is there is there a year for the Jetsons? I got to wonder that, John. There's a lot of stuff that I watch, sci-fi shows and movies, where like, this is the future, and there's like flying cars and shit. 1999. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, Blade Runner. You guys overshot. <laughs> yeah, you oh. overshot that just a bit. Um, 60 sci-fi. So there's some phenomenal... 60 sci-fi shows. Just, just for reference, the Jetsons... Uh, was produced by Hanna Barbera in 1962 and was set in 2062. Oh, okay. So we got we a little bit a of time, time, to, get time to get those tall houses. Yeah, <laughs> I still don't have a like a robot housekeeper. That's what I want more than the flying car. Well, they, we got robot vacuums, so we're almost yeah. there. We're almost there. Almost. There. You just got to put people shaped yeah. things on top of them. Just put a wig <laughs> on it. <laughs> just put a wig on <laughs> it. Just be like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Jetson. Oh. <laughs> I actually. We start with Goldsmith, because I think one of the reasons we did this is start, Goldsmith is a known, uh, is it a Trekkie? A lo- yeah. Lover of Star Trek. I think everybody I know, I don't know anybody that likes dislikes Star Trek. There's, there's certain levels Drew of- hates it. Yeah, Dashing much, Drew hates it. Okay. Well, okay. So there's one. I think it's just out of spite for me, I think though. there's just- yeah, probably. People like it to a certain- They either think it's just okay or they love it. You know what I'm saying? There's nobody I, I, I know that- Just so don't watch- Even the, the original series, I love, I love TNG, too. But the original series is phenomenal. And it's actually pretty damn innovative for its time. Yeah. Speak to that a little bit. Uh, Goldsmith, you're a big big Star Trek guy. Who's your favorite character on Star Trek, the original show? If you had to pick one, and I'm putting you on the spot. I mean, damn. Dude, as <laughs> Kirk, much as I people guess, talk yeah, shit I mean, about him now, like, oh, he overacts, whatever. I'm watching the original show, and man, was he good looking. It's yeah. Man, he was a good looking guy. And it's fun to watch. Like he's, it is, he's, he's man. fun to watch him do those scenes as and Captain I, Kirk. People talk about the overacting, but I think he does a great job. Like I think the whole cast is great. There's some really yeah. creative stories. I'm surprised some of the stuff where they just kind of venture <laughs> off. They do some crazy... I mean, really. There's some far-out, wild, varied stories yeah. in that short run that the show had. The show was phenomenal. And I wanted to bring up, um, although I love the character of Montgomery Scott, um, to quote Craig Ferguson in one of his stand-up specials, James Doohan's Scottish accent that he used for Scotty sounds like a Pakistani man having a stroke. <laughs> Who played him in the new show? Was it in the new film? I mean, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. It was Simon Pegg. Didn't what role did uh did uh Butcher play? He's on. He's on it, right? Oh, Carl Urban was. Yeah, uh, he was Bones. Bones. He was yeah. Bones. Okay, thank you. Is he also Scottish? What? Where's McCoy? Who? McCoy is he it, the the actual actor that plays him? Is he is he Australian? Who are DeForest you? Kelly? No, uh, I've jumped ship. I've jumped <laughs> ship completely to Butcher. What's what's his origin? Carl Urban's Carl Australian. Urban. He's Australian. Okay, right. I don't know. What does that have to do with sixty science don't fiction? No, I kind of <laughs> sidetracked. We're talking about <coughs> actors for well, anyway. Let's go back to Star Trek. He's from New Zealand. <laughs> Carl Urban is from New Zealand. Oh, he's not Australian. Yeah. Totally different. That's totally why different. I had a question <laughs> mark above similar. my head. <laughs> anyway, he's from the Shire. <laughs> oh. God, I've been coughing for a week. What about Star Trek? What do you need to know? <laughs> so, uh, is that your favorite '60s sci-fi show? I mean, yeah. That's why the reason we're doing when, doing the the show. Today. I started watching Star Trek when I was uh, kindergarten, maybe. But before that, like one of the first shows I ever remember watching was Lost in Space. 
because uh, uh, one of our family friends bought <laughs> was lost in space. It's he, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. Uh, he he gave me a big, huge tub full of like the. You remember the Columbia House um, VHS order? Oh yeah, service? VHS, yeah. yeah. There was like two episodes per VHS uh, or yeah. something. Yeah, and he had like the whole series almost on VHS. It takes up an entire those. wall in the living room. Yeah, and I've have you got that too? No, I do. I've the got VHS. A, I've still got the tubs at my house. No, I have it on Blu-ray, homie. <laughs> <laughs> it just takes up a slot on the it's, shelf. That, that's a great show. Both Lost yeah. in Space and Star Trek. But Lost in Space is and Lost in Space was great. before. It it came out in like 65, 60 or something like that. Maybe it, it was, ended in sixty five or something. It yeah. definitely feels very fifties. I don't know. It feels Star Trek in comparison. Star Trek seems much more uh, advanced. Yeah, I think that's just you think that because it's in color. Well, the, some they <laughs> remastered. They're they not did. always on a ship. The last season or two of uh, Lost in Space was in color. I'm pretty sure when it first aired. Yeah, but I never saw those episodes. <laughs> well, the, also the dynamic of the the people in the show it's a it's a fa- it's like a night the idyllic american 1950s family and, yeah. and a robot and a creepy old dude <laughs> yeah swiss so family w- robinson yeah space and that's probably robinson. why it feels 50s to you it's because that aspect of it true that true yeah. that <laughs> what about uh for you mikey 60s sci-fi show what stands out what's your favorite twilight zone all the way oh started in the 50s but it went well into <laughs> was, was it started like 59 59 okay. is when it started. Yeah, started yeah, 59. <laughs> early, I believe early 50s. 59. <laughs> um, and then Outer Limits, of course. 50. I mean, 59's got the original intro, which I like a lot better than the 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 door and the clock and the eye and the window shattering. Like that's the that's the that's the one that everybody knows. But yeah, growing on me, the the, the original intro is is pretty cool. So the whole thing is it's real written, real well written. Um, people that like. When uh oh crap I can't remember the actor's name. It's a guy that played Roscoe Pico Train in Dukes of Hazard. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, he was in a bunch of them. Kurt was in a bunch of them. Um. Slim Pickens. M- Burgess Barrett. Uh, Burgess Meredith. Yeah. Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith. I said yeah too. Like, like, the <laughs> penguin. The po- the fucking penguin. But all these actors <laughs> that we we ended up watching in other shows and yeah. in movies l- later yeah. on and later on early on in our life. They've you know, got a great cast. They've got holy the, shit. And the, what's, what's, what's the announcer's name? Rod. It's Rod Sterling. Sterling. Yeah. yeah. Which is a great name. And he's a great writer too. He wrote a lot of them too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's famous. Yeah. He's. And you were talking about Outer Limits. Like me, had Harlan Ellison wrote some of those. Like there's the one of the man with the glass hand or whatever from Outer Limits. An amazing, amazing episode, man. Those are great. I love that the anthology. You don't get that anymore. I miss like that. They did. They did do amazing stories by Spielberg. Yeah, but it didn't like last 80s, long. It didn't last long. They and and for the horror genre, they did Masters of Horror and Fear itself, but it didn't last long. Well, like got, nobody's uh, down for the anthology anymore. Tales from the Crypt, short lived. Uh, uh, what I Black Mirror. American Horror Story and Black Mirror? Those Black Mirror. Those have been Black also anthologies. Um, have you guys ever heard of a YouTube channel called uh, Rocket Jump? No. They they're a studio in uh, L.A., but they did a a series on Hulu that was a season called Dimension Four Hundred Four, and it's it's kind of like uh, Twilight Zone but goofier. Or, or Black Mirror, whichever one you want to... Well, they, they never hit that level of something like <laughs> Game of Thrones or The Office or anything like that. Like, it just seems like back then, like, it seems like whether it was whether it was short story anthologies, magazines, comic books, um, television shows, like, people loved anthologies, it seems. 
you know. Well, but there were like, like six channels back then too. Twilight well, Zone yeah, was one they were of just the eight shows. Stuck <laughs> with whatever. <laughs> But it's true. It's, it's, it's genius, far, though, too, because, yeah. like, you didn't have to be, like, you know, today, like, you can't just jump into Stranger Things right. in season three. Yeah. You know, and but you could watch any episode of Twilight Zone and yeah. it would work, you know? Yeah, I think but, Black Mirror is really right. Black Mirror is the only Black thing that's really movie. done that in the last... With success. ...couple years that's People been successful. Tried. Well, I mean, it, 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 it was on BBC and then it got canceled. And Netflix, Netflix picked it Netflix up. Picked it Thank up. God. And they also got the new, the new Twilight Zone uh, with Jordan oh, Peele. Yeah. Have you watched any of that? It's okay. No, it's not, no I haven't actually. It's, it's, I, I, I watched a couple of episodes and it's okay, but I'd rather watch the original. I'm waiting until yeah. Picard to re-access my, oh my CBS God. All Access. <laughs> it's going to more Star Trek. It's a, uh, the, uh, I was going to say, uh, if you don't have cable TV and you just got the air channels, um, one of the cool things is that Lost in Space uh, comes on like Friday nights. Like oh, me TV or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, it's really. It's just I found myself watching like like oh I got to watch the new. I episode. love me some me TV. And that first episode of Twilight Zone, by the way, the new one is available on YouTube. Yeah, CBS yeah, put it up so there. Kumail just Nanjiani's sort of sort of to get people hooked on uh, CBS All Access. Um, Robbie, Star Trek, amazing. You know, you were talking about William Shatner as Kirk, and I already mentioned Leonard Nimoy as Spock, and I just recently rewatched the uh, Galileo Five episode you remember that one it's the uh, one where they take the galileo shuttlecraft and they they crash on that planet yeah. and, and kirk's got an ambassador up there and he's like we got to go deliver these medical supplies we don't have time to look for your people and like the 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 the, the shuttlecraft crew they don't trust spock you know yeah oh i love that episode i think it's yeah. so good um so that one sitting on the edge of forever i think <laughs> is probably my favorite piece of 60s sci-fi on television is that episode. I really, really like that. And Twilight Zone. And the two episodes that really stick out to me are Eye of the Beholder, obviously. Very famous one. But my favorite episode of Twilight Zone ever is Five Characters in Search of an Exit. Do you guys remember that one? Mm -hmm. It's about like a clown and a ballerina and a soldier and a bagpipe player. Like five people, they're, they're in this room, right? And they can't find the exit. And they're just freaking out. And they all start, like, blaming each other and all this kind of stuff. And it turns out, spoilers, that they're all just toys in, like, a waste basket. Like, in reality, right? I don't know, but mm-hmm. something... And the way that it's a, it's a soldier, it's a ballerina, it's a clown, it's a bagpipe player. Like, the way that they kind of took over these archetypes, I really like it. But, yeah, Twilight Zone and Star Trek. And, you know, it's... We were talking about, like, anthology shows. You know, the whole Case of the Week shows kind of kind of get on that and like star trek in its way is almost like an anthology show obviously it's yeah. the same crew the same characters Monster but it's a completely different episode every time and mm. and i don't think it holds up as much as some of the the later series like tng or ds9 yeah. for sure um even voyager you know at times early voyager um never enterprise but uh <laughs> have um, you finished it have you ever watched the whole never mind no Let's of course not go not. Off on this. but star trek <laughs> twilight zone what about you john i was gonna say yeah we i think we discussed it i like i love outer limits uh, Twilight Zone, of course. Star Trek, The Jetsons. What about Space Ghost? Space Ghost. Space Ghost. I like Space Ghost, I but I think more Ghost. of Space Ghost <laughs> is an interviewer. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Another one of my favorite 60s sci-fi shows is uh, The Adventures of Aquaman. <laughs> that's a good one. Where, nice. When was the uh, Fantastic Four? A little bit Four? more fantasy. When's though. the Fantastic Four cartoon? Uh, the first six, one was in the 60s, yeah. Now that you 60s? think of the late 60s, like, yeah, you're like right. 68, 69, somewhere around Yeah, there. you're right. I got to yeah. put that one on there, too. And what about Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea? I used to watch reruns of that all the time. I think on Sci-Fi Channel or something. You remember that one? I don't. There was an animated like uh, Fantastic 60, Voyage cartoon. There was. 66. That didn't live up to the movie. <laughs> 
That was one of the earlier, like, hey, let's this movie is popular. What about uh uh Johnny Quest? Was that in the sixties? Yes, yes, it yeah. was. That was short for it being as popular as it is and famous as it is. I didn't realize how short lived the show was. Syndication. Did it get popular later on? Yeah, like right. I don't know. Yeah. All these cartoons, you know, like I think very few people that remember fondly some of these early cartoons from the 60s, 70s, 80s, even for us, you know, 90s sometimes. I think sometimes we didn't actually watch them on their original airing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I was like, oh, no, I grew up watching Super Friends. No, that stuff is in the 70s, homie. You know? There was some stuff from the There was, there was the, Galactic Guardians. The I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but there's so many stuff I watched in reruns. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I learned and absorbed and I thought was new. When you're a little, if you're three years old or five years old, it's new to you. Yeah. No, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. You so didn't what, see it. What were your favorites? Twilight Zone? I'd say Twilight Zone, Outer Star Limits. Trek, Outer Limits. Um, I love the Jetsons. I think the Jetsons actually one of those cartoons. A lot of those cartoons I liked as a kid, I go back and watch. And that means all, you know, 80s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, whatever, 90s. Uh, Jetsons actually holds up. It's it's hilarious. The writing is great. The animation holds up. Of course, it's Hanna Barbera. I think Hanna Barbera is the greatest animation company of all time, as yeah. far as television. I just think they they had you know they they had it, man. They had everything, and they had a great writing crew. The art style was great. Dude, the Jetsons. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I was going to add was the about the Twilight Zone. Is that we got the first zombie, like modern day zombie. Like before, before um, the episode's called. Pigeons. Wait a minute, George A. Romero didn't invent the zombie. No, it was, it's an episode <laughs> called "Pigeons from Hell," and it's a, there used to be voodoo zombies where you know possession and taking over, but now it's it turns into uh, zombies rising from the dead, like they're coming out of the grave, and that came from the Twilight Zone. The problem with rewatching the show, the Twilight Zone, is there are some episodes I'm like, this is amazing, and then there'll be an episode like. The fuck is this? You know what I'm saying? They took some risk. It doesn't always pay off. That's what I was There's saying earlier. In the ones. 60s, they just started throwing random shit out there. Yeah, <laughs> they did. The, yeah, they the did. creepy ones are always the best ones. You know, one of the best things about shows like The Outer Limits or The, the Twilight Zone or even Star Trek at times, you know, we were talking about City on the Edge of Forever. That's written by Harlan Ellison. Some of the best sci-fi writers did some of their best work in the 60s. Of course, you got people oh, yeah. like Philip K. Dick, Isaac Asimov, um, Harlan Ellison, Ray Bradbury, just tons of people. Uh, what's the dude in his name that did Dune? Frank... Uh, Frank Herbert. Yeah, you know, Herb. so yeah. really big deals. What are some of your favorite written bits? Like, not television, not movies, but we're talking about the printed page, whether it's comic books, whether it's short stories, whether it's um, novels, whether it's novellas, whatever it is. Mike, what are some of your favorites from the 60s? Uh, I was going to say Philip K. Dick and Kurt Vonnegut. Okay. Any particular works? Uh, I was the, I, I don't know. I just have the, the Philip K. Dick short stories, uh, volume one and two. So it's kind of like it's everything that's in there. I got gotcha. you. So, I mean, his whole body of work, it was always interesting to see. And then you, you read about him and then like, oh, wow. Like he was going through this, like the the, the drugs and the freak, the, the freak out or whatever he had and. You can see that in his writing of where he got that from, and I'm just it's it's interesting to yeah. So you love collected dicks, is what you're telling me. <laughs> well, we are a group of collected dicks, so yeah. I do. <laughs> Speaking of, <laughs> Justin, what about you? <laughs> you're uh, an actor. <laughs> <laughs> um, aside from the Philip K. Dick stories that I've read for other podcasts, because I don't read a lot, especially old stuff. But uh, yeah, it's obvious. I have that you don't read a lot. I have read part of, and I'm very much aware of, uh, in uh, Isaac Asimov's uh, magazine, there was a there was a, sh- a novella called Enemy Mine, 
and they made a movie about it in oh, 85 yeah. yeah and it's basically what uh it's almost it's what that episode of uh, the Darmok and Jalad episode of TNG was based off of almost okay. like two enemy combatants basically are trying to survive on a planet together learning how to communicate yeah yeah okay nice i like I that i really like that story like that. what about you john i would say ray bradbury no um i don't i'm familiar with some great writers i've read some great books not as much anymore it seems like i've never finished a book i'll get excited about something but what i think i do love i love me some x-men and that Heck was yeah. the 60s yes and that's it was. sci-fi and mm. uh and the fantastic four i don't know if you noticed they, yeah. were, they were introduced in the 60s <laughs> i didn't even I'm not think a of big that fantastic four fan i do like the fantastic four um galactus is awesome freaking dr doom is one of the most badass villains Period, bar none in any comics. You are correct, sir. Um, so I do like Fantastic Four, but X Men, man. As far as like sixties, any any as far as you know, word on the print page in the sixties. Yeah, the X Men's my fucking bread and butter. And you know, Jack and Stan in the sixties. You know, there was no Wolverine, there was no Storm, there's no Nightcrawler, there wasn't any of that crazy onslaught apocalypse, none of that. But dude, just the the original five X Men: Xavier, Magneto, um, the 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 Blood, Brotherhood dude. of Mutants, the Blob. You know, all that stuff. It works so well. The Juggernaut, like it's powerful. It's dynamic. And some of my favorite uh, written science fiction in the in the '60s is comic books. Fantastic Four is probably my absolute single favorite representation of science fiction in the 1960s. '61, right? Is that when Fantastic Four started? Four in '61, yeah. I uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I love it. Anybody who knows me or knows this show or this channel, they just you know. You know and it's what sci-fi. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not the traditional superhero thing. It's a science yeah. fiction. And it's science fiction, and it's all about adventure. It's all about exploration. It's all about creating new ideas at all times. It's one of the most imaginative comic books of all time is that Jack Kirby Stanley run of Fantastic Four. It lasts like 103 issues. Amazing stuff. Comic book-wise, also Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man in the 60s is amazing. The Ditko stuff with Lee, um, Ramita coming in. Fantastic stuff. Power, <laughs> responsibility. Great stuff. I loved it, man. Mike, real quick, comic books. That's you're you're like a comic book guy. What's some of your favorite comic books of the sixties? Sci fi. Uh Strange Adventures. Uh yeah. Yeah. stuff like that. Uh, I know it's more horror based, but I was always a big fan of Tales from the Crypt. Uh huge X Men fan, but I mean y'all have already spoke about a lot about that. And then uh Heck yeah. Fantastic Four is great. Uh, but it's the like my greatest adventure, stuff like that, the the obscure like more like the DC cool anthology, like Adam Strange, yeah, and then like six other sci-fi adventures and stuff like that. Yeah, the the, the space cab. Um, to round out what the rest of mine, um, my favorite novel might be Man in the High Castle. It's kind of it's an alternate history. I don't know if it's really quite a sci-fi thing, but Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is totally sci-fi. I love that. I love Arthur C. Clarke's novel, uh, Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. I think that's great. There's an Isaac Asimov um short story called Machine that won the war. I absolutely adore it. It's about this machine. These three dudes are celebrating the idea that they just defeated this race um, of aliens or something, if I remember correctly, and it's with the with, with this computer. But then they all each admit that they, they falsified information put into the computer or received from the computer, so it actually wasn't by the, about the machine. And I'll, I'll read that one really Okay, good. I'll check it out. I and like Asimov. Michael Crichton wrote one of his <laughs> first novels under his actual name, Andromeda Strain, 1969. I love Michael Crichton. Oh, nice. I love the Andromeda Strain. It's 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 fantastic. I love it. I need to look something up. By the way, I mean I need to clarify something. That story I was talking about was actually in '79. I, I misremembered. You so. son of oh, a bitch. Wow. Pass. <laughs> I was gonna say anybody. anybody we'll just edit everything out you said. Uh, anybody that wants to read a novel that's pretty good, uh, Kurt Vonnegut's uh, Slaughterhouse Five. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sarah's Sarah's time. It's it's kind of a classic and a must read for sci-fi. So if you want to get started, that's a good starting point. So we were talking about television earlier, and I think uh, television and film, we had moved away uh, from the just miniatures to now we've got green screens. I think there's been some advancement in... I mean, there's no CG, obviously, but there's definitely advancements in the the technology and the special effects. And I actually want to bring up Star Trek because some of their miniatures and some of their backdrops are amazing. Yeah. I and mean, some of it is really corny. <laughs> but, I mean, that's a budget. I mean, you're on a television show and you're on a budget. Oh, it looks really good, especially when you watch it today. It some, almost looks like it is CG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some, damn it. Some stuff holds up incredibly well. So I guess it depends on... You know what they were doing, you know. You know but uh, some of the spe- some of the practical effects were at an all time high. Yeah. Well, I'd say the pro- in the eighties, <laughs> all time high. Well, they were higher than they had been. Yeah. They they, <laughs> they, they had, well they kept getting better and better and better, and it worked well in the sixties because there was so much sci fi. But some of the let's speak to that because I'm, you're a Star Trek guy, especially. But let's talk about <laughs> some of those those special effects because there was definitely a, a noticeable difference between the fifties and the sixties when it comes to special effects, and especially in television. What? Yeah, they had to start doing that shit in color. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. One thing that they easier could start doing it that made it... Easier white. Uh, what I was going to say is it made it easier to do a lot of different stuff because uh, color became more standard in the 60s. So they were able to play around with a lot of different stuff and make stuff look different. That's like in Star Trek, they have got all the different color uniforms, and that's, that's why, because they wanted to show off Technicolor, and it was... It, I feel like the different color palettes, or well, being able to use color palettes, then gave them ability to play with all kinds of different stuff and make it easier to. Um, I forget what it's called, with the way they uh, did the film together, where it was like multi-layered, like what you would do on a computer now, like, but like the, a composite or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's exactly what like they the, did for special effects. Like a yeah. composite shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's how and they I, did like the Invisible Man back in the '30s. Yeah. Or something like that. And I feel like. You know, it being in color made it easier to do that. It, you know, the color in Star Trek is so brilliant. And yeah. It's so, like, you watch something, like, even when Lost in Space does go to color, and I have seen images of it, like, it doesn't <laughs> it pop. It looks weird. Like, it doesn't pop like Because they're wearing Trek. all these dark green, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, they weren't prepared for color. Yeah, Star Trek looks like a comic book. And the yeah. bridge, the bridge. Oh, my goodness. Like, one time I was on Mushrooms. And I was watching like Star Trek, and it was like the craziest, most bonkers thing. It was so cool. I can cool. imagine. It was so cool. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's beautifully shot in the in the special effects, which are practical effects, obviously, because this is the '60s. Yeah, but they're done really well. And I you mean, know, it's impressive. I made that joke earlier because obviously they redid the effects on Star Trek. Yes, they also redid them on Next Gen, a little bit. Really? For, yeah, they did. But like, they completely redid some of the effects for Star Trek. And now on the Blu-rays I have, you can toggle between the original and the new oh, ones. that's cool. And it's ridiculous, right? But if you watch it like streaming or something like that, you're going to get the new ones, right? Notice how Star Trek fans didn't have as much of a problem with that as Star Wars fans did. I'm just saying, who's the better fan base? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, I don't, we got some... This is for the next Star Trek episode. Let's move on. <laughs> Mike, what do you think about the special effects <coughs> in, in the 60s? Because I think we had a pretty good, uh, a pretty big jump. Well, I mean... Um, God, what's that dude? Harryhausen, the uh, Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, like the stop motion. Is it Ray Harry Harryhausen? 
It's Harry Harryhausen. Yeah, Ray, <laughs> Harry, Ray Harryhausen and stuff yeah. like you did with Jason the Argonauts. We get a lot of claymation and people start adapting that. Uh, I know Robbie's probably going to talk about 2001, so I'm going to leave that to him. We'll but look there, at freaking. There's some ground. Yeah, 2001. Uh, uh, the five yeah. minute, the five minutes of uh, of, of Robinson Crusoe <laughs> on Mars. <laughs> just the whole the way they had the space shuttle, uh, and the, the the screen on screen on sc- like the, just the multiple screens, and it's just like okay, this is a recording feed coming from somewhere else of of like this action going on on the little monitor. And it's like it's not easy, and I've I've done a lot of stuff like that before, and it's like it's. All of that, if you don't know what you're doing, like you're going to screw it up really big. Uh, and the, the Kaiju movies with the models and the miniatures, like that was always, they, they kept advancing in that uh, by leaps and bounds. So, But uh, I was just going to save the, the big one for Robbie. The models got better, but the suits got worse. And the <laughs> Kaiju, it felt, like, it felt like the budget went down. Do we spend all this money on these little uh, buildings? Well, they had to do it in color. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's easy, and like I'm not even kidding. But Gojira in black and white with all the haze and the smoke and the build, like it looks better because maybe we don't see as much detail. You yeah. know, like maybe I don't right. know. That's yeah. what I was saying about how it's it's kind of easier to make what you want to do with the effects look good. It, was that a sentence I just said? Yeah. <laughs> Somewhat. It, it's like <laughs> like it's it, if you're trying to do something really specific, it's easier to do it in color. But if you don't do it right. It'll look better in black and white because there's not as much detail. That's going from like a, said. electric guitar to acoustic guitar. Like okay. I can play electric, but I use a lot of effects and fuzz to cover up cover up my shitty playing. Yeah, but never <laughs> underestimate the importance of the acoustic guitar. Yeah, no, but you need to be a good acoustic. And that's yeah. why when Mel Brooks wanted to do Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein, as black and white, he didn't know any. They the, Hollywood didn't have any people that could film in black and white at that point in the seventies. You know, because they'd already abandoned it. But it's a very effective. What's that movie coming out with a? Uh, um, Willem Dafoe and, and, and uh, Robert Pattinson. Pattinson that the movie, Lighthouse. Yeah, that yeah. looks so good. What is that in black and white? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I it's didn't black know that. and white as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it almost looks like it almost has the appearance of something that's like a, almost like a like a silent film from like the thir- the twenties yeah. or something like that. It looks crazy. Oh, I haven't seen. But as for me, my favorite special effects in sixty sci fi. I mean, two thousand one. That's the one you're alluding to, and like the two thousand one special effects. Like, it's unfair to compare the other special effects, whether television or film, in science fiction in the 60s to 2001. Like, it's that's, that stuff, that shit looks realer than stuff today. I'm trying to remember what... 2001 what, looks more real to me than The Martian. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. Like, what did they do? I, I don't remember any special what, effects, they, aside from the, the they built, outside of the ship. They built the ship. Yeah. On this, like, it's like a Ferris wheel. To scale. They launched it into space just for the yeah, film. Right? No, but they, they, they built the ship, and it's on this, like, big rotating wheel. So, they're, like, that's why he's able to, like, run. And, I mean, all that stuff's there. Um, and just in, like, they use composite shots and stuff. But it's just how meticulous and how much of a perfectionist Kubrick is. Yeah. And how much detail he put into that movie, as he does all of his films, you know? Um, that's what makes 2001 stand out. And they, they don't... Like none, never once in 2001 do I go. That looks fake. Even when the big alien star child shows up at the end of the movie, it looks real to me. So many other directors would have let people push him around for the budget and they been like, never okay, well this is going to be a, a miniature. 
But no, he's like, no, let's fucking build it to scale, yeah. guys. Like that he, space station yeah. they built on set. Yeah, he real didn't cut corners on things, and I think that's why it holds up so incredibly well and just looks just visually amazing. Now I need to say he built the ring section of it. <laughs> they didn't build the whole. Yeah, yeah but I'm yeah. saying, but there was you know. there was different different parts though. Yeah, you absolutely. can tell they built like you know the hallways and stuff. They yeah. could have done more miniatures and, and got away with it. And the scene when Dave is finally comes across the monolith outside the orbit of Jupiter, right? And he and he basically goes through that acid trip scene. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I think all that's hand-drawn, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, it's, it's, it's done practically because it's like them dropping like inks into like uh, like water or something like that because it's like a smear pattern that's coming across when, you, when he's like going through the space warp or whatever. I was just going to say one time I was on Mushrooms and I watched that scene <laughs> and it was bonkers. Bonkers crazy. <laughs> also, though, Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Do not sleep on this movie. This movie has amazing special effects. And for our scientific knowledge of Mars at the time, it's actually beyond that. And it's really crazy how it's got some moments in there. You know what I'm saying? Like the way this dude finds out he can. It's the original. If you, you guys have never seen this movie. I've never. That's one no. I haven't seen. It's kind of like the original version of The Martian. It is literally Robinson Crusoe on Mars. It's the same oh. story and everything, right? Um, but he goes there. And also, part, uh, one of those random things they threw out in the sixties. Let's try this. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah but but it was it looks so good. There's a monkey in the film. It's great. Um, <laughs> of course. I'm not even kidding. The monkey is was, the best part of the. Was film. the monkey on Mars already? No, that goes with them. Okay. Yeah, but Adam West doesn't make it. Spoilers. <laughs> um, but anyway, the way that they filmed it, it looks amazing. It it doesn't look as good as something like 2001, obviously. But also just the idea of, of, of how advanced some of their thinking about Mars was. Because we still had a lot of out, like not real information of, and, and, and an understanding of Mars and its, its, its planet and its Little surface and all that stuff. And the canals and all that stuff. And they referenced some of that in there. But... <laughs> And there's a bit in there where, like, he, the way he finds that he can have an oxygen supply is that there's these certain yellow rocks there, and if he burns them, they release oxygen. So, yeah, it's that's obviously not true. I mean, who but, knows? Uh, <laughs> no, but the special effects in that movie look amazing. It's on Criterion, so that tells you something, too. Oh, yeah. I highly encourage you to check out that movie. If I knew it was on Criterion, I would have definitely gone out of my way to check it out. What you, I'm familiar with it, but I've never actually watched it. What are some of your favorites, John? The special effects yeah. of the 60s? I would say... Um, <laughs> oh, they use they use computer rotoscoping and hand drawn effects. Yeah, for that. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But like some of it was like for the 2001 trippy scene. Like they're like dropping like ink into like water or something like that. You know, you know, you know the scene I'm talking about. You see all these smidgens of colors and it's like on a double screen and yeah. they do it on glass or something like that. Yeah, it's 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 wild. The the it's uh, Joe Donaldson was the one that was responsible for all that. So that guy is. Out there, nice, nice way to be on point. The uh, I don't know, that, nothing specific. I mean, Space Odyssey is amazing and gorgeous, but we talked about that. And I you do said think you love Star Trek. I Odyssey. do love Star Trek, and I'm just surprised. Um, yeah, I realize. I mean, if you watch the new stuff, they've updated some of the stuff, but the original show had amazing effects for television. And there's the occasional where, like, oh, that's just a goddamn. You know, you can tell where they repurpose things. That's a dog with a horn. Yeah. (laughs) You can tell where they clearly repurpose some shit, man. But at the same time. They're just 20 miles outside of L.A. there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's just the guy. Why are they in the same rock quarry every episode? (laughs) But some of the stuff looks, some of the stuff's really good. I mean, I think, I I associate the 60s with basically being the 50s shows, but in color. 
But reality was there's some definitely some step up in special effects. They have improved. I really think the eighties was like the you know, the penultimate uh special effects when it comes to practical effects. Yeah. And then we started going CG and not for the initially in the nineties we that was most of it shit. But um the sixties though had there was great improvement and there's a noticeable mark because even the show had stuff that even shows I Twilight Zone, Outer Limits had some stuff that was pretty remarkable for television at Dude, the that time. that opening of Twilight Zone. The door floating around. Yeah. I bet I bet <laughs> someone passed out when they first saw that. <laughs> there's a, there's Even though he creepy. prefers the original opening, which Rod Sterling in a bathtub like, hey, you I, caught me at yeah. a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you here? You Let cheeky, me tell you about this. <laughs> you, cheeky <monkey. laughs> you cheeky monkey. Let me tell you about this story. Now, one, one thing that's really cool, because Justin brings up the whole idea of everything being in color. Um he is a racist. When it when it goes from, well, when it goes <laughs> when it goes from, he's not. Uh, but when we when everything goes from color to black and white, uh, a lot of the backgrounds uh, that you see are actually hand painted. Like it's a huge like it's oh, on yeah. cloth, and you don't see that in black and white, but you finally see it in color. And I mean, you they see did, that in black and white matte paintings. Well, they did. No, it, like, but the you, back, it's like the backdrop, like it, like we're on a we're in a screen, we're in a we're in a room filming. And it's like this painting of outer space or on Mars. Like it's well, the backdrop. Did, yeah, the matte, matte paintings, man. Yeah. They, they did that in black and white, dude. I yeah, promise no, you. but it's but it, when you actually can see it in color, it looks like it's. Oh, a, they it's, look amazing. It looks yeah. amazing, and some of those. You know what movie has some great matte paintings? Robinson Crusoe on Mars. <laughs> but you don't like I said. You see, you can see. It, you don't get the full detail in black and white. You get a lot of that in color, and that's that's a lot it's of a talent. Different medium. And just, yeah, and stuff in color does have more detail. And it's and they <laughs> and they they used matte paintings all the way up until like the mid nineties before or early two thousands before everything just kind of went to straight CGI. Yeah. And, Mm-hmm. And filming on location, so you you lost that. Matt painting started looking worse and worse. Yeah. <laughs> but you but you lost that effect. Like it looked wonderful in Jurassic Park because you, you can't even tell. But yeah, that, that's a lot of that's matte painting, and it's beautiful. I think and Lord of the Rings was the last like hurrah for practical effects. Sometimes I mean it was just half, and even that was half and half. Yeah, but the the blending of it, like that's why Del Toro films look so well. Wow. Like Pan's Labyrinth or Hellboy, you know, like Hellboy Two in particular. Yeah. Because there's like a blending of it, you know, I mean, and it works. Modern Star Wars uses the same thing with practical effects. And eh, yeah, mate, a little bit, a little bit. I get. I would I say, yeah, that. actually, the new ones especially brought back a lot of. We're we're jumping off track, but they did bring a lot of practical effects back because I they did feel that Lucas's newer stuff was too CG, and you can tell. And yeah, the new yeah, that's why the new films look so good. Yeah, still nobody hates the prequels as much as they hate the new ones, do they? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand. I think, that, like, but. no matter what you think about the story or the characters or the development of Last Jedi, that is the most beautiful looking Star oh, Wars. Oh, with movie the fighting out there. outside, so is visual treat. Yeah. Oh my god, I- I'll take that over. You know, well, whatever the fuck that shitty ass Sarlacc pit with yeah. like three teeth. Yeah, that is, <laughs> I don't know. I, I prefer the original Sarlacc pit, oh, pit over the CGI one that they did. Yeah. Wow, we really jumped ship. Uh, we're going to take a little break. <laughs> when we come back, we talk about our top five. I think maybe Robbie has uh, some social media. I think he reached out to see what people's favorite 60s sci-fi. You know it. And he also asked them their favorite Pop-Tart flavor. So when we come back, I'm Pop Culture Philosophers, 60s sci-fi.
Welcome back to Pop Culture Philosophers. We're talking about our favorite taco toppings. I think Robbie with the guacamole, which is a, I understand oh, it's that's like nowhere a, near. more of a burrito topping. Yeah. Hot sauce is my favorite taco oh, okay. topping, homie. So we're actually talking about 60s sci-fi and our favorite toppings on 60s sci-fi. So we're talking about 60s sci-fi. We're talking about our favorite movies, our favorite shows. Um, well, actually, we haven't talked about our favorite movies, but we're going to get to that in a second. But first, Robbie. I think you reached out to the social medias, the, the yes, Twitters and the Twatters and the Facebooks <laughs> and everything. Excuse me? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> you asked them their favorite films. I'm interested to hear what they say. I think we'll have some uh, yes. overlap here. Yeah, okay. So Since only released four films in the 60s. Yeah, right. <laughs> they were okay. science fiction. No kidding. Um, so the first ones of these come from the live stream that I do every Sunday night, rock and Robbie live seven o'clock. U S central time. U S central time. Yeah. You're not in central Guam. You're in central U S PM. Where's Guam? A territory. Anyway, it is. Yeah. Anyway, I'm in Chicago. (laughs) So some, we had some homies over at the, uh, the live stream. Give us their top, uh, favorite, (laughs) top favorite, top favorite 60 sci-fi movie. (laughs) Slime says 2001. Is that his birth name, Slime? I, I don't know. I hope so. Um, Flicking Stuff says 2001 and Planet of the Apes. And Roger said Barbarella. I was wondering if Barbarella was going to make somebody. You know, it top. always makes me think of that Duran Duran song they did when they came back in the 90s, the Electric Barbarella. Do you remember that? Yeah, I yeah. love that. From the PCP Army, we got some awesome, awesome responses. B does. Billy Wilburn said Doctor Who and the Daleks. That's right. James Donahoe said 2001. Paul Drute said 2001. Nick Mastermiko, writer of the Grey Ghost Saga, said King Kong versus Godzilla. Or more oh, yeah. accurately, I should say Godzilla versus King Kong. I don't know why I read that backwards. A Fantastic Voyage is his other pick. Clem Urban says Planet of the Apes. Randy Riley says Van- Van- Fantastic Voyage. And L.W. Allen over at Dance Panda Comics says Planet of the Apes. Not as many responses as we usually have. I think it's because there's not that many. I what? thought Fantastic Voyage was a Coolio song. Yeah, right, right. You messed up my joke. Um, <laughs> one thing I will point out, James Donahoe said he's going to go with 2001, but it was a great decade for sci-fi and film. Hey, that and I disagree, homie. What? That original one was King Kong vs. Godzilla. Oh, so I did say it right. Yeah. Ah, oh, damn. Did you have it written down backwards? I wrote it the way he... I'm pretty sure I wrote it the way they... Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Y'all know the movie I'm talking about. Godzilla is the better. I'm going to go with Godzilla being better. Sorry. Yeah, but it better. seems like the overwhelming pick is 2001, and Paul Drude even said it was unfair. Yeah. It really is. I. It's it's almost cheating. He said the only ones that came close that. were Alphaville, which is a French film by Godard that yeah, I that's, haven't that's, seen yet. That's, I heard that was an amazing film. And uh, Planet of the Apes. He said those are the only ones that came close. I disagree, but we'll see. All right. I'm interested to hear... The folks here at PCP, uh, the people on the podcast today, your top five, because I don't think there's a lot of great standouts, but there is a variety of films. I'm interested to see what you guys. There's a lot of there's a lot of goddamn kaiju. There's a lot. <laughs> Sixty was kaiju heavy. We could have just done kaiju in this episode. It probably wouldn't have been as deep talking about AI and shit like that. But it probably would have just been as deep as far as themes and motif go. And then we have the idea of the Japanese response to a post-Hiroshima-Nagasaki world and their place in it during the Cold War. Dude, we should do another kaiju episode. I think you're overthinking Dudes. how deep some of these Godzilla films are. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm they're actually going to start deep. Deep, with uh, Sir Goldsmith. He was knighted during the break. 
Ah, it was Sir Goldsmith. Boy, are my by wings an alternate, tired. By an alternate reality version yeah. of the British Empire, which was originally taken over by Sicilian aliens. And I totally stole that idea from Warren Ellis's authorities. Go on. Yeah, that's why he has a long Italian mustache now. As soon as he was knighted, fluffy mustache. Your mustache, by the way, is the most mighty I have ever seen it tonight. Oh, thank you. I'm it getting is, it ready. For, I am so jealous. I'm getting it ready for Dragon Con. I thought you were going somewhere else completely. Where are you going to be? <laughs> what are you going to do with that mustache? I'm doing Hopper P.I. Nice. <laughs> I want pictures. Things. Pictures. Oh, there will be pictures. Yeah, post There'll them in pictures, the PCP Army. And right. there will be mustache rides. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your top five, you can narrow it down to top five. Now, I know initially you kind of, this spurred, the whole thing was spurred by the Star Trek yeah. show. But what if did you, uh, did you narrow it down to five science fiction movies that you love? In reverse order, start with number five, if you could. Uh, number five, I remember seeing when I was a kid, don't remember it so well, other than it was uh, the original version of Your dad's of penis. We've all seen it as a kid. <laughs> it happens at one damn, time. Damn. His pants are loose. You look, you don't mean to look. It's it, 2019, John. Let's move on. It, Come on. <laughs> It scarred me for life. <laughs> this was the original version of one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Oh, my God. Called Inner Space oh, with Martin yeah, Short. Oh, Yeah. So Inner Space was definitely inspired by... Fantastic Voyage. Fantastic Voyage. The Coolio song. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's like... Uh, it's, dur- it's a Cold War story. Uh, they're bringing a scientist to the U.S. from Russia, Science? I think. And he gets he has like a heart attack or something on the plane, a brain aneurysm, yeah. And so they shrink down some scientists and go in to fix the blood clot or whatever. Um, Which is straight up an episode of Archer, by the way. They yeah, go to, they, yeah. go, they go to fix his his blood clot. Remember that? that yeah, is straight up a rip off Fantastic Voyage. Yeah, and Inner Space, starring yeah. Martin Short and, Doug and, and Dennis and Quaid. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. comic book from the sixties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my number four is I'm not sure which one of the Gamera movies. But one of those I really liked. I saw it was really. Did you drunk. say Gamera? Gamera. <laughs> Gamera. You're thinking of Gamora from, I yeah. think from Marvel. I said Gamera, right? Just, we or just got to make. We just got to make Gamera. Gamera. Great it's like again. Camera with a make G. Gamera. <laughs> I see. There's. There's also. I gotta say. There's a version of one of these, um, Gamera movies, on YouTube available for you to watch right now, where they dubbed over it in English with redneck voices. Get drunk, watch that. Have Is that a the only night. version you've seen? I want to be honest. Be honest with the viewers. No, I've seen both. Listeners, okay. I've seen both. You've seen the original. Yes. Um, my number three, Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Great. What great Get special Get your damn effects. dirty, damn dirty ape. Um, a damn, damn dirty, damn <laughs> Mike, ape hand. Mike looked it up earlier. It was get your. Uh, Damn, get, get your, your paws. Get your stinking paws stinking off paws. me, you damn dirty apes. Yeah. But they don't oh, have that, that flows a lot better. I knew it was damn dirty apes. <laughs> they referenced it in Clerks even, and I forgot it. <laughs> um. My number two, Last Man on Earth. And number one, obviously, 2001. A Space Odyssey. A Space Odyssey. I think a lot of people, it's going to be on their on their top five. If not their number one, it will definitely be in their top five. That's a great top five. When's the last time you saw a Space Odyssey? Be, be, be honest with the viewers. Uh, I think last year. Okay. It holds up well, doesn't it? Yeah. Special effects. The Blu-ray, by the way, they did a really good job with the Blu-ray. <laughs> Maybe because it lends itself well. Um, obviously, it shot on film. There wasn't digital... But it was shot in this. Uh, it was shot so well. I mean, it tra- they did a good job with the transfer. It's beautiful on Blu-ray. You can get it for like less than ten dollars. We should plug that shit on the show somewhere from Amazon, and it's amazing. It should be in your collection if you have a Blu-ray player. And why wouldn't you? We live in the future. You should have two thousand one. Should be in your collection, bar none. No reason it's, it shouldn't be. It's got one of my favorite shooting styles for a sci-fi movie, and it's and it's one of the reasons why I loved Gravity so much. 
uh, Sandra Bullock. Oh, I thought you meant the actual force of gravity. <laughs> they, Other than like, the fact that it keeps him floating away. It's. I don't want to say it's easier to make it look better, but there's less stuff to look shitty because it's just a straight black background with like some stars in it and maybe a planet every once in a while. But it's really cool to see. It's just really simple, and it yeah. looks and it looks really good. It's a visual treat. It's it is simplified, but it works and it works. And it's the story's great, the writing's great, the acting's great. It's about Kubrick, man. Yeah. It's almost unfair to. I feel bad for these other people who <laughs> had to compete against them on the show tonight. So I apologize <laughs> to the other writers and directors and uh, other people. Um, Mikey, your top five. You can narrow it down to top five in reverse order if you could, sir. Uh, I have I'm, a feeling 2001 is maybe not on your list. It's not on my list. Uh, my Holy f- shit. Yeah, believe it or not. I don't think the 15 minutes that I've seen or five or whatever. The oh, that's fair. You're like, hey, I haven't clearly scene. seen this all the way through, so I'm not going to judge it, and I'm not going to just throw it in there to appease the audience. Uh, so my number five is The Computer That Wore Tennis Shoes, the Kurt Russell classic. Kurt Russell Disney film. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. I used to watch that movie all the time when I was a kid. I love that stupid ass movie. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> For some reason, I always thought it was the seventies film. That's the sixties. Nineteen sixty nine. Wow. Uh, my number four is The Son of Flubber, another Disney <laughs> film nice. with Fred McMurray. Uh, going off. I- <gasps> what a weird hodgepodge. Wow. I'm, you're really throwing me off here. I expected uh, some of the you know some of the ones that he mentioned or I was going to mention be in your top five and so I, far I, my, mine is completely yeah. different than everybody's wow. because my number three is the first one it's this it so the son of flubber <laughs> is essentially the football game uh, but the rig, the original absent-minded professor where flubber is created it's the basketball game and the <laughs> flying model T Fred McMurray just it's a it's a classic yeah. wait flubbers wait that movie's from the sixties yeah. I thought it was the fifties for some reason. Nineteen sixty one is absent minded professor. Right. Holy I shit. I think sixty three or sixty four is Yeah, uh, I've watched that as a kid. How many times did I fucking watch that movie? So many times, that's why it's on my top five. Yeah. I rented it on accident when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> thinking it was a Robin Williams one. It was good though. Yeah. I loved oh, it. That's great. Uh, <laughs> what was that? Number those three. So number two number two would be uh Gamera, Gamora, whatever. It's Gamera. It's Gamera. goddamn Gamera. Yeah, I like the I like the turtle. I I never watched a Godzilla. Like I've always heard about Godzilla and then the Blue Oyster Cult song, you know. So I've heard it, but then it's like, cool, it's a monster movie. I've never watched it before. Which one is it? like? And it's Gamera. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. So I have love in my heart more for Gamera than I do Godzilla. So that's how you introduced to kaiju was Gamera. Gamera, yeah. It's but they don't have. I got the the Godzilla here. I don't have. I don't have you know a Gamera. They have some. Yet. I think uh, Rivoltech and some, had, there's had, some. There's some expensive Gamera, but there's not as he's not as commonplace or as popular as Godzilla. I'll we, be honest with you. We bought a co- we bought a collection, um, a full of toys, and it had the Gamera Rebel Tech in there. So I own it now. So, oh, you do have yeah, it. I have oh, nice. Where the hell was that? I should have brought that I today. Just I, the guy, I was I left work late, and then that was what I had. So my buddy Sam brought it to me. So I just brought it with me. Uh, my number one. It's kind of a tie. Um, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Well, it, it because everybody has vote in the PCP army has voted that it's not a sci-fi film. I was gonna say Doctor Strange Love, because everything that we've talked about earlier, it kind of fits in there. So to appease the fans and Robbie, <laughs> like we, it, it's been a, like it's been a like since five o'clock when we're like, hey, this is what I it's know be. you guys kept arguing back and forth in I'm the trying first to segment. Work, yeah, I keep he kept messages. He, he kept sending. He's like, he's like, just ask them. I was like. 
no, it's fine. Like, you, it's fine, whatever. And then you're like, yeah, sure. And then Justin's like, okay, here it is. I'm like, sweet, I win. And then you're like, no, I don't know. And if you um, listeners will go back to the first segment, you'll notice there's about a good two or three minutes where they're going back and forth yeah, on I'm this. I'm being a little bit passive aggressive about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, just, I'm just sitting here just staring, staring right down. Just I like, mean, I went really? to the PCP <laughs> army and I set up a poll. I was like, yo, is Dr. Strange love? Did you really? Yeah. yeah. What'd they say? No. Oh, it's like, 13, it's like 13 to seven. Oh, so. that's, that's a pretty good margin there. <laughs> So it's not apparently to them. Right. So what would you if it, so what's supposed to be Doctor Strange love? But if it was not, so I'm gonna what play, would it I'm be? gonna play by the rules. I'm not gonna be a rogue. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. That's the rules. Well, man. no, but like you said, everybody voted it down though. It, though it is, but I was gonna say Fahrenheit 451 to be my number one. Okay, that's so a good the Roger, the the Roger the Moore film. Was it originally your number two? Uh, was Roger Moore actually in that? No, it was a joke. <laughs> <Huh>? from Nine <laughs> Eleven. Fahrenheit Nine Eleven. Time Machine was my number two. <laughs> was originally going to be my number two, so my my I, I I added in the computer that wore tennis shoes because I forgot about that one. I was like, oh uh, crap! Mike's confused so everybody now. In. Yeah. So no, I've got my li- I've got my list right here of. So what is your number one? Doctor Strange Love no. Time Machine or uh, Tennis that wore tennis shoes? No, number what? number six. <laughs> the tennis number, that wore computer shoes. Number, <laughs> number number six is the Time Machine and Fahrenheit four fifty one. There you and, go. And Doctor Strange Love Share Share from first place. Huh. I'll allow it. I don't allow it because Doctor we do Strange Love is not episode. a science fiction. <laughs> three out of four in bed. So Y'all let us know in good, the comments. That's a good top six. <laughs> <laughs> the that's y'all, y'all are surprised by the honestly, Disney films. I honestly, know. I, I am, a lot of talking actually, over people right now, y'all. I'm surprised. By the I'm Disney just speaking films. out for the viewers right now, the listeners, whatever they want to be called. I don't give a shit. It depends if they're blind. <laughs> or not. Well, just have them play it in reverse, <laughs> and they'll get the satanic message. Yes. <laughs> Whose turn is it? Now nobody's going to talk. <laughs> I was just going to say I surprised everybody with the, you did. With the Disney <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was did. That was really nice. You were Disney. A, that was a, I got, it's got to be something more than 2001. That was a great top six. You, Their favorites, not, you know, whatever you It was say. Disney heavy. With the Flubber thing, you reminded me of one that I had on my list earlier that I deleted on accident, and it's not on there anymore. I was so afraid that you were going to say one of those. Or, no. the, uh, or the Nutty Professor, because that, that, that was that, it. That's, like, that's my number seven. That that was supposed to be my top five. Or it was earlier. Classic. All right, but back in this reality. Yes. <laughs> Robbie, I'm interested to hear your top five. Oh, yeah. I know okay. one of them 100%. I know I'm sure you do. You but might know, know a couple of them. I don't know the other ones. My number five. My number five is directed by Richard Fleischer, 1966, Fantastic Voyage. Mm-hmm. Um, I rewatched it uh, over the last two nights. It's incredibly boring. Nowadays. It is. It is. <laughs> it really is. But the uh, the the special effects look amazing, and it's an interesting concept. Everybody was going sci fi, and they're like, "Let's go into the person's body." Yeah, everybody's going outer space. Let's yeah. go to inner space. It's a really cool. It's a really Have cool. Have you seen inner space? Now I like inner space <laughs> way better. Of course, you got yeah. the advantage of having Martin Short there, yeah. right? Yeah. But I do like the movie. I think it looks great. Donald Pleasance is so earnest in that movie. <clears throat> he's earnest in every damn movie he's in. Is he not? Yeah. Except for when Ernest goes to camp. Yes. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> Fuck you, John. <laughs> Directed by George Powell, my pal George, um, from 1960, The Time Machine. The you know, Time Machine. Yeah, I love H.G. Wells. I love that story, the novella. I love um, that H.G. Wells' book is based on him going back. I mean, it's just his character is H.G. Yeah. Wells, is right? He's like, ah, oh, just be the fucking guy. Yeah, and it's written on the little. Anyway, I love the design of the Time Machine. I love the way it looks. I love the message. I love how they brought it into the idea of 1960. Of course, they would have started production in the 50s, right? But it's about the humanity, and we were talking about this a little bit in the first uh, block about. But the themes and stuff about the idea that mankind's not going to get over itself. 
you know, and that I, I just love that story. Um, and I and I love I think that's a great movie. It's way better than the Guy Pierce one. It is. It's shot way really better. well. It's shot really well. The special effects are great for the time. Yeah. And great cast. I forget what was that actor's name. His what? name I is uh, uh I didn't write it down. From what? I thought I had it written What's down. It? From what? the Time Machine. What are the the blue creatures called? The Morlocks. The Morlocks scared the shit out of me. Yeah, oh, dude, they got those creepy as they shit. got those glowing eyes. It's super super freaked creepy. me out. Speaking I think of they creepy, sleep for like two days. In the Street Fighter. Speaking of creepy, my number three is a, it's an Italian sci-fi horror film directed by Mario Bava from 1965. It's called Planet of the Vampires. <laughs> I <laughs> love so this movie. I just do that out like for jokes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love this movie. I have loved this movie for so long. Do you get, do you get the name? It, uh, I did. I did. I closed it. I was just going to say that I saw that earlier and it looked really good. It's okay. It's not good. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's they did good. a 4K remat. It's a French movie, right? It's an Italian, Italian. film. Yeah. Oh, maybe you're of close. A they're both in yeah. Europe. Yeah, they're both in yeah. Europe, yeah. and they kind of look like no, a boot. The mo- <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> they both love cheese. No, but I really like it. It's not necessarily the greatest film, and I even tweeted this out. What I tweeted was: if a movie has an effective use of color, even if it's bad, it automatically goes from an F or a D to a C. Yeah, because right? a visual treat. Yeah. For your right? eyes. And by the way, I'm watching Planet of the Vampires. I love this movie. AMC used to do this thing called Monster Fest, Fear Friday type stuff, oh, yeah. right? I remember that. I saw I used to record that on VHS back in the uh the early two thousands when we still had VHS, John, right? Um we used to hang out back in those days. I remember that. We I used remember to we used to go walking at four in the morning. <laughs> anyway, um I that was one of the movies that I wound it up. I wound up recording and I watched it and it's bad and it's stupid and I love it. It has nothing to do with vampires, but it's about this the, this team of, of scientists or astronauts and they crash land on this planet and there's these disembodied forces and they take over the, uh, the dead members from the crew that died when they went out to explore. They take over their bodies and then they, they basically succeed and it's got one of those cool endings where like the, you think the heroes have won, but the heroes have actually now been taken over by uh, the, the people of the planet of the vampires or whatever they're called. And uh, I just love it. It's such a visual treat. I love the colors in that movie. It's amazing. I went on for a long time about that. Number two, 1964, directed by Br- Byron Haskin, Robinson Crusoe on Mars. It's a great film. It looks great. Um, some of the science holds up. Some of it, of course, doesn't. But it's a really fun film. It's Robinson Crusoe on Mars, literally. It's great. I highly yeah, encourage Yeah, we didn't you to know shit it. about Mars in the 60s, so the fact that they got any of that right would be yeah, impressive. I mean, this is, yeah, this is before we, we, we landed there. Um, 2001 is my number one from 1968, Stanley Kubrick. We've talked a lot about this film. This is one of my favorite films of all time, John. It's not just my favorite 60s sci-fi film. It's my favorite sci-fi film. Yeah, it's definitely my it's, favorite Kubrick film. It's one of my favorite films. It's definitely top three. It's between that, Dazed and Confused. And uh, Citizen Kane. But I love all three of those movies for different reasons. 2001 would probably, I would say, would inspire me more as a person. I love that film. I love the mystery of it. I love the intense detail of it. I love the special effects. I love HAL 9000, or some of our friends would say Hail 9000. Um, that was a, never mind. Um, I really, really like that movie, and I think, it's, I think it's Kubrick's German best. German joke? I think it's Kubrick's best <laughs> film. Um, it is a great film. Visually, it's a treat. It holds up well. It is slow paced, so I think if you've never seen the film, it's because it's building. It's a it's an amazing film, and they're building this great story. Yeah, Kubrick it was a hell of a storyteller. And you're right. We talked about this earlier, and it feels like it's a love fest to, to this film most of the episode. But it's just such a great <laughs> film, and it's done so well. And he's so meticulous in what he does. Yes, and it shows. And 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 once again, one time I was doing 
psychedelic mushrooms and I watched that film and it blew my mind. It changed my world. How long was the opening sequence when you were on mushrooms? Four hours. It feels like <laughs> it felt to me like the I didn't watch the entire movie, to be honest with you. Like I remember skipping through to certain scenes. Uh, some of it felt very dark for some of the people that were around me. And I, I, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> the movie can be pretty scary because it deals with like an exi- existential like idea of of who we are and everything. Yeah. You know, and how little we are. But how even the smallest seed can turn into a mountain. As Jesus said, right? And that's what Kubrick was trying to get us to understand. Is what say, Jesus said. Did he say that? <laughs> he said, if you have faith as the seed of a mustard, like a, like a mustard seed, it can grow into a mountain. But like, the point being, the smallest little start can lead into the biggest thing. And that's, that's, that's our existence. Yeah. But that can also be twofold. It can lead to something terrible. It can lead to something good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Something can spiral out of oh, control. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I think it's interesting that you went that way with it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a great top five. I noticed you didn't do a top you, six. I didn't, te- know you didn't argue over the number one. No honorable being mentions. A sci-fi. I think if I people, if I did an honorable mention, it would be the fact that I don't like Planet of the Apes. Huh? Do you notice it was not uh, on there? Uh, uh, also, back to the long. point that I've made a couple times tonight. One of those random fucking things that they just threw out in the '60s: a planet full of eight people. Yeah. And, and vampires that weren't vampires. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Weird shit. <laughs> I think they got crap. LSE, man. <laughs> right? Yeah. What's your top five, John? Number five uh, would be Curse of the Fly. This is the third of the Fly films. So the first one, classic. Everybody knows it. Vincent Price. That's the one with Eric Stoltz. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's just the Fly, too, and that was 80s. But anyway, and so, so the first one's a classic. Vincent Price. Great special effects, great writing, great everything. The second one, meh, okay. Vincent Price is in it. He's the big drawing draw point. It's not color. They went black and white because of the budget. So people forget the '60s. You know, movies that had a tighter budget were black and white, and then movies that had more money were were color. And uh, so this was the third film. Vincent Price is not in it, so it's missing the great Vincent Price. But it's a better story than the second one. And it's about the uh, the grandkids and their experiments of the time machine, then the time machine, the, the machine, the transporter, and in the the re- un- unfortunately it's marred by some really shitty effects because the budget was like four dollars, and two of that was for <laughs> del- takeout. <laughs> but the, the cast is great, the film is enjoyable. That four dollars would be like twelve today. Yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> um, it's still an enjoyable film. It's it's I enjoyed the fly films. It's still better. The Curse of the Fly is still better than The Fly 2 from the 80s with Eric Stoltz. <laughs> uh, number four would be Gamera. That's how you pronounce his name. The turtle from, from space that came down and basically... So it's basically... Uh, the, it's a knockoff Godzilla. I mean, come after Godzilla. It's kind of the Godzilla wannabe. But it's, it's great in its own way. And then eventually he became friends of this kid. I mean, they, the story evolves later on in subsequent sequels. But in the first film... He basically comes down from God knows nowhere, coming to find he's from space. And he's just terrorizing. He's just terrorizing things, <laughs> destroying things. They have to get tanks, and uh, <laughs> he's awesome. He's terrifying. He's got these big ass, and he, he always remains that way. He's got these big ass fangs. He's basically a turtle with like a cyber, let's say say a cyber, a saber tooth <laughs> turtle. And he's amazing looking, and uh, but I love the fact that when he flies, he just doesn't fly away. He spins like a yes. goddamn <laughs> UFO and flies away because he's got a turtle shell. He goes into his turtle shell and spins around. I, yeah. I love that. One of my favorite things is seeing John on like five Bud Light Limes talking about Gamera. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, number three is going to be Godzilla Monster Zero. This nice. is the one where he fought uh, Godira, By, King Ghidorah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was called Monster Zero, but we all know him as King Ghidorah. Did you like him in the new movie? I did like him. He I was scary. The movie. There was a lot of complaints about the previous Godzilla, the American Godzilla, that, oh, there's not enough Godzilla and there's too much talking, which I understand. And the new movie, like, there's too much monsters and not enough story. God, shut the fuck up. I mean, it's true though. Well, they tried to <laughs> answer. Well, people they tried to people's complaints, and it's it's King of Monsters, right? Is, so yeah, they're but trying to give you. But then don't give me a human story if it's going to be dumb. There's a little bit. It's dumb though, and it's only and it's I barely agree. in there. Chow Young Fat's whole thing where he has to go to the center of the earth and like pray to the Godzilla. I don't. It's so stupid. I. Why is Millie Bobby Brown in there? Because Stranger Things is a hit, and she's yeah. been scream. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do There's no reason. I think the fights though were awesome, and the monsters. Yeah, are it looks awesome. great. Yeah, you cut that down to an hour and fifteen minute movie, and I'll love it. Just it looks great in three D. Yeah, cut cut together your uh, version, the okay. PCP cut. Okay. <laughs> Did you go to the Monaco to watch it in that big like? No, movie? I went to. I only go to Hollywood here in town. Yeah. We, I, I saw it at the Monaco at their big special thing. It's pretty cool. Okay. I'll probably I'll pick it up on Blu Ray and watch it in three D in my house. So I enjoyed it. It was a fun film. Anyway. So that Monster Zero, that, again, we got King Ghidorah gets introduced. He obviously is in subsequent films. But this is introduction. It's a good film. Now, I realize that there's a lot of Godzilla films, so this could have been a Godzilla hand, heavy-handed. But eventually in the 60s, I'm not knocking Godzilla because he's the, the, the now it's not the original, but he's the kaiju. You know what I'm saying? As much as I love Gamera, I have a soft spot for Big Turtles. Um, <laughs> but it became like Monster of the Week. And then the, we, we won't even talk about the fucking baby kid Godzilla. Godzuki. God, I hate that. <laughs> Godzuki. Anyway, number two, Planet of the Apes. I obviously enjoy it more than Robbie. I think the special, the practical effects are good. I think it's a cool concept. I think that the twist, the end, which is obviously used in pop culture, Charlton Heston's overacting is great. It's an enjoyable film. It's not going to change the way films are made, but it's a cool film. I think the original is better than Tim Burton's take on it. I enjoyed it a lot. I think the special it effects It is better really than Tim Burton's take. Like, no lie. Yeah. No lie. And the special effects look... look you know, the practical I, effects are good. And I, they, they are. And I hear that the the new ones with, like, James Franco and beyond, like, that they are really good. They are good. Dawn, Rise, yeah. War. Yeah, they did a good yeah. job yeah. taking that franchise, relaunching it, and doing a good job with it. Relaunching a franchise that I thought was dead. When I was a kid, I was fascinated with Planet of the Apes because of the effects. They were so effective. They looked so good. Yeah. 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 It was the only, like, that That was one thing I remember when I was a kid was that it always bothered me in the, like, Power Rangers and the lower budget stuff that when these monsters that were clearly wearing masks uh, would talk and their mouths didn't move, it really bothered me. And the mouths moved in Planet of the Apes. Well, the thing I got to tell you about Power Rangers, which you're <laughs> actually referring to Super Sentai, because that's the original <laughs> form where the monsters came from. They make a new one of those every week, homie. Okay. So you make it. You make it. And Goldar was there every fucking week, and he had a rubber mask, and his mouth just kind of went in and out instead of. No, his mouth moved. Yeah. Oh, Goldar's did. I'm thinking of one of the other. I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking of. They they had to create a new Ewoks movie. There was. You know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of movies that use rubber masks. I'm just gonna say before you go to your number number one. one. (laughs) (laughs) Super Sentai, since the mid '70s, has made a different monster every fucking week. You make it fucking talk. Go ahead, John. Man, you got <laughs> all the things on, to John. bring up and rile them about. <laughs> I got a number seven to add. Oh, my God. I will come over there and cut your wiener off. I turned his mic off. Go ahead. <laughs> the Misadventures of Merlin Jones. Another Disney great. God damn it. Is your stuff all Disney? 
He's just on Disney's Wikipedia page right now. Go on. <laughs> My, I'm standing firm on the greatest thing they've done prior to the acquisition <laughs> of Marvel in Star Wars is Tron, and I'm not going to budge. Jesus Christ, dude. That's not a 60s sci-fi movie. <laughs> What's your number one? It can't My be number- Tron. My number one is a film that you guys, we haven't even talked about tonight. Oh my 2001 God. A Space Odyssey. <laughs> we could just do a whole podcast about we that. Could. We, we could. Kubrick needs his own podcast, and we could do that. We'll do it after the Michael Keaton podcast. Huh. Maybe before. Okay. Maybe maybe a we, couple we years before. We have talked about doing directors, and we did Spielberg, and we did Ridley Scott. Yeah. If anybody we did, did Wes Anderson. We haven't done Wes Anderson. Not on, not on this show. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did the SOE, but Wes, he's, he's done like Wes three Wes Anderson or four needs his own show. But so, so does Scorsese. We do Wes and Scorsese. But before we get to those guys, I really think we need to do a Kubrick one. That's, that, yeah, that's a great idea. I think Kubrick goes down as one of the greatest directors of all okay, time. Okay, if I'm you down on, to do that? Yeah. yeah. I, if I'm on that one, then I'll watch 2001. Um, you ain't going to be on it. <laughs> Mike's not allowed. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Boo. We'll be like, Dr. Strange Love does not count as a Stanley Kubrick film. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Did he do any <laughs> Disney movies? No, he didn't do any Disney movies. <laughs> yeah, Lolita. Man, I did not have time to watch anything, so I'm just going off my memory in the past and the things that I loved okay. when I was a kid. Same. We no, got our top. I, think, I think everybody had a great top five. I think, well, Mike's for shit. I was but more <laughs> original than 2001. I mean, Jesus. No, but aside from 2001, we all had different top fives, man. Yeah, I was surprised how varied it was. John had a Fly movie on his. <laughs> I had Planet Vampires. A movie I talked shit about earlier. Justin had something. I never knew we were going to have a top five. Yeah, Interspace, I think. <laughs> Fan- Fantastic, Fantastic Voyage. Voyage. So did which I. You had two. Yeah, number five. Number five. Yeah. 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 See. If yeah. Fantastic Five, I, I think me and you overlap more than anybody else. Voyage. So. Voyage was on my list, and a lot more things in life than just movie taste. Yeah, yeah penises. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic Voyage was on my list, but when we're when I was like, well, Kuju's like Kuju. Kuju. <laughs> John has had like what? How many? How many Bud Light limes have you had? <laughs> five. <laughs> That's five. Um, <laughs> I just felt like if I added kaiju, it would be kaiju heavy, and yeah. I did only have two kaiju on there, so I'm proud of myself. But I, <laughs> but it, there was, we take out the kaiju, it would have been like fantastic. Fantastic Voyage is a great film. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it's boring though when you watch it now. It's slow paced. Yeah. It was boring when I watched it as a fucking kid. Who we fool? <laughs> But it's a cool concept, and it again, is. it's something different than than all the other out space stuff and, at the time. And Don Pleasance is in it, right? Oh, Donnie Pleasance. I I highly encourage anybody who's not part of our Patreon to go ahead and get on Patreon.com/slash/PCP, help support this channel. And one of the things that you get access to is the PCP After Hours podcast. That's right. We're about to be wrapping up the show, but right after that, we're going to keep the mics live for about fifteen to twenty minutes, and we're going to talk about some stuff, including Sony. Marvel, Spider-Man, Disney. I don't know what that's going to involve. We're going to be talking about some new Disney Plus shows like Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, what we think about that. And we're going to be talking about that Mandalorian trailer. And I will encourage you to remember this. Right now, John is on his fifth Bud Light line. (laughs) He's going to be on number six when we do PCP After Hours. You definitely want to be there for that. And I've got a funny story to tell in After Hours of why we've never done a Kubrick podcast. Okay, so uh, we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, final thoughts, folks, gentlemen. Start with uh, Goldsmith. He's an actor. Is Airplane 2 a prequel to 2001 A Space Odyssey? Yes. The bigger question is, <laughs> the bigger question is since <coughs> airplanes are a result of science, is Airplane 2 a science fiction film? Yes. Yeah, because it's in a space shuttle. Space shuttle. It's yeah. more of a science fiction show than Dr. Strange. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I've never seen Airport. 
airplane too, so I didn't oh. know it was in the space it's shuttle. A, it actually a, is in space. It's like airplane. I didn't yeah. know that. It's airplane, but there's yeah. a space shuttle. Yeah. I've never seen that one. It's yeah. America's yeah. first commercial space. Sh- or yeah. So the first airplane. So you were trying to make a joke. What reality is? Yeah. <laughs> that's the one that is. I mean, the first one. That's really funny. Not sci-fi. But the second one is sci-fi. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, because Captain Kirk is in it. Yeah. A bobby pin. <laughs> <laughs> And I've you never, think he's I've on that port, it. and he's just behind that door. <coughs> you think yeah. he's on like some sort of communicator, and he's on a door. Oh man, communicator door jokes. Let's. Whose final about thoughts that. was that? Justin's. That was okay, that was yeah, I like that. I like that. What about you, Mikey? Uh, I've got something similar to him. I was just going to say, what with a that? rash on your leg. Yes, I'm going to look at both of those when we're done with the show. Sweet, thank you. I really appreciate it. No, uh, Doctor Strangelove being the prequel to 2001. It's what happens after the atomic bomb when we all come together. Mm-hmm. He said, "Come together." I like that. That's overlapping. <laughs> what about what about you? Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I really do have. I like we weren't. We were talked at the beginning of the show how we weren't really looking forward to this one, right? But no, it's, it's been really it out a really lot better. Good. Yeah. yeah, I had a lot of fun, and I go back and look at some of those. If once you kind of kaiju, there's a lot of great films yeah. in the sixties, and there's a lot of great themes. Whether or not it's the films, or whether or not it's the comic books, or the or the short stories, or the movies, or the TVs, or what anything, right? Some great themes, some great stuff. Take it as a warning, because that's what it is. Doctor Strangelove, is it sci-fi? Is it not? Who cares? It is a warning, like a lot of science fiction of the 60s is. It's a warning about getting getting right, acting right together, and understanding, like, man, machine, what's the difference? Is it empathy? Don't forget your empathy. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget about the importance and the drive of humanity and what we can do. And a mustard seed could turn into a mountain. Rock and Robbie out. Or you can turn it into mustard, which is better because you can I'd put rather, it on a I'd hamburger. Have, I'd rather have a mountain of mustard. <laughs> oh, ooh, that's a lot. Of, that's that seems like too much mustard. Dope. There's never too much mustard. Thanks um, for rocking with us. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Next time, aliens. Talk about aliens. Maybe the aliens franchise. Maybe about um, if anybody's here has an experience with a with an outside alien uh, being, or we'll talk about alien shows, movies, cartoons. Comics, maybe. Um, the Mighty we, Ducks was that Aliens? <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you guys tuning maybe in. Maybe if you're on psychedelic um, mushrooms. My final thought is, I want you guys to, everybody listening, to absorb this. And this may be deep, and this may may change your life. But I think that if you're going to be on a '60s podcast, that you should in fact watch 2001: A Fucking Space Odyssey <laughs> from start to finish before you're on the show. That's just my opinion. But we appreciate you guys tuning in again next time, Aliens. So tune in next time. Same. Uh, sci-fi time, same sci-fi channel. Actually, Aliens, so it's going to be science fiction, so we'll just keep this science fiction going. Maybe the next one will be robots or some shit. We'll just do sci... Maybe we'll turn to the PCP science fiction podcast. How about that? Okay. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Was that a warning? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> good night.